Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Cause Marketing Forum and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com and SelfishGiving.com. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And of course, I'm on the line with the queen of Cause Talk, Megan Strand. Hey Megan. Hey Joe. How are you? I'm well, how are you? I tell you, you must be so excited getting ready for vacation. I am, but you know what I'm really excited about? What's that? I'm really excited for you to do the ice bucket challenge this year. <laughs> Because last year you did not do it, and I, we've got a guest to you know, throw down I, the gauntlet. I, I know you. it's it's true. I I threw money at it. You know what I mean? I just threw money at it. That's what the I did last year. Cold people do both, Joe. I know. I think I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. And this guy on the line too is really gonna hold gonna me to it. I think cold. too. Yeah, absolutely. Because his <laughs> he's in Boston too. So <gasps> like so- me, he's a super cool guy. Right. So on the line with us today, we have Rob Goldstein, who is vice president of marketing, communications and development at the ALS Therapy Development Institute right in Cambridge. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Hey, Joe. Hey, Megan. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right here in Boston. Well, your offices, which I've been to before, you're right in what? Kendall Square? Yeah, Kendall Square, right in the, the thick of it over here in Biotech Pharma World. Very but good. But Rob, are you originally from the Boston area? Because you don't sound like Joe. <laughs> see, <laughs> see what I tell you, Rob. Um, Two minutes on the phone, she's already insulted you. <laughs> you? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm originally from New Hampshire, so I often oh, get okay. accused of having like a yeah. uh, Canadian accent. So yeah, that makes right. me not. Yeah. not that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got. A, he's got a, an old truck in his front yard, but he doesn't have an accent. <laughs> Right, Rob? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so, Rob, uh, the Ice Bucket Challenge uh, kicked off in uh, Boston at Fenway Park on July 31st. And, you know, I saw some great stuff happening with David Ortiz and other Red Sox players. And I know you had a whole group of people there. How'd it go? Oh, it just went fantastic. You know, to be able to kick off this year's ALS Ice Bucket Challenge at Fenway, obviously my favorite you know, sports team in the world. Um, was magical, and uh, you know the support that Major League Baseball and the Boston Red Sox, in particular, have given us uh, this year to kick it off and make it go viral to all the parks. Uh, thanks to MLB's partnership, is uh, is hopefully going to help it you know gain some steam this year because we're nowhere near done. You know, ALS is not cured, and we got to keep doing this every August until cure. Yeah. And so tell us, too, like um, your organization, ALS, and you shorten it, too, I noticed, to TDI. Um, what is your organization specifically engaged in when it comes to ALS? Well, it's kind of funny because those three little words, TDI, is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. It's about developing therapies. So the ALS Therapy Development Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit and in short, we are a nonprofit biotech, the world's first, and it's kind of a unique uh, collaboration between that really specific mission of a nonprofit and that entrepreneurial spirit that you see in the biotech world. So we do soup the nuts research from identifying targets that are relevant to the disease to in-licensing programs from big pharma or biotech and seeing them all the way through into clinical trials. So can you talk a little bit about the, my understanding is there's a little bit of a coalition around the Ice Bucket Challenge with different ALS 
associations or organizations. How many of you are there and, and how much are you coordinating and collaborating or are each of you kind of doing your own thing this year? You know, Rob, because it's interesting too. I mean, we, a lot of us too think of the ALS Association when we think of the Ice Bucket Challenge, but your organization raised $4 million from it last year. Yeah, and thanks for asking about the collaboration, Megan. You know, nothing happens alone. You know, as, uh, as you guys probably talk a lot about on your radio program, when organizations come together, things tend to move you know quicker. Uh, sometimes you can do some things alone, but if you're going to try to cure a disease as complex as ALS, you really need a lot of people involved. So there are 18 primary organizations that are involved in launch, and we partnered with Pete Frades and Pat Quinn, the co-founders of ALS I Spoke a Challenge, uh, to do that. And uh, it's been a really great effort. And now we're just trying to get the word out and trying to make uh, this thing not just cool, but but relevant again, which mm-hmm. is definitely a challenge. And mm-hmm. Joe, like you said, you know, we did raise $4 million. You know, the funds that go directly to uh, our institute at ALS.net, $4 million total, uh, every dollar has been spent. And mm-hmm. our CFO hates that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of annoyed that we spent all that money, but <laughs> that's our mission. <laughs> It took us it took us forty five seconds in the boardroom to look around and go, "What's our mission? Oh yeah, cure ALS. So let's spend the money on the best ideas possible." Right. So that coalition you're talking about does that also include the ALS Association? It does. You know, they're one of the other eighteen organizations that are involved and worldwide. Did you say eighteen? I'm sorry to interrupt. Eighteen. Wow. Eighteen. That's a lot. Yeah, and it's a, it definitely is pretty cool, and it's just a start. I can't stress that enough. We are going to grow this collaboration for a cure program uh, to include lots of other organizations so that we can move any, you know, even quicker. You know, last year, two hundred twenty million dollars was raised worldwide. Um, That's amazing. That has been spent. Yeah, yeah. That, when and I was researching, the- when I was researching my article that I wrote uh, last week on my blog about it. Um, it blew me away because, you know, you're reading these articles like um, like August 2nd, uh, Megan and Rob, and it's like, oh, it's raised $10 million or something like that, you know, and it's like you had no idea just how much money that yeah. was going to raise. It blew you away. Well, to put it in perspective, guys, you know, annually only about $40 million has been spent on ALS research period prior to last year. So that's $40 million. Mm. And that includes all the funds that go to research from the ALS Association, our organization, and others, including the government in there. So when you think about having $40 million spent on research to maybe as much as 220 in one year, I mean, there's a lot more that you can do. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of comes down to having, uh, as my people would say, the chutzpah to, uh, to put those dollars where they're best needed as quickly as possible. I want to go back to the, the coalition a little bit. Is that what it's called, coalition? It's called the Collaboration for a Cure. Collaboration. Okay. I, I knew I had that not quite right. So with 18 organizations, there isn't an, an official collaboration. What, what, I mean, how often are you talking to one another? How, how, what does that look like? Is, is that executive directors of organizations? Like, how does, what does that look like behind the scenes? Yeah. Do you ever go over it? Do you ever go over to yeah, like the ALS Association and be like, hey, you know, we raised four million, but you raised like 196 million. Do you think maybe you could give us a few? Yeah, and it's not and, and it's not necessarily <laughs> just about, you know, trading dollars between bank accounts. You know, one of the greatest gifts of the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge is certainly the financial uh, you know, shot in the arm that all the organizations got. But yeah. one of the outcomes that cannot be undervalued is that effort around collaboration. When Pete and Pat really were the catalyst for this, they said to everybody you guys should all do this together. And we did, and look at what it accomplished. So we saw the value of collaboration uh, last year, and we're working now to put together uh, a real plan 
a real roadmap to get an AOS done. And, uh, you know, that's something that a lot of people won't see because it's not a sexy number that is going to fit nice in a headline. But I think at the end of the day, when people look back on what the AOSI's Bucket Challenge accomplished, this collaboration is, is probably going to be the thing ultimately that people remember. So how was the, of the 18 organization, what was the breakdown in terms of money? And I don't expect you to get give me a full list here or anything, Rob, but sure. how did it work in terms of like, I was it the ALS Association that actually raised over $100 million with it? Yeah, Joe, they raised, uh, they reported that they raised about $115 million. And mm-hmm. I'd encourage folks listening, if you go over to Charity Navigator, uh, dot com now or dot org, which it is. Um, they actually have an article up on their site today breaking down uh, the top ten organizations that they raid and tells you all the dollars that were raised and how oh, they invested. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, yeah, the L Association National Office raised one hundred and fifteen million dollars, but they have thirty eight chapters, and each one of those chapters also raised money, mm-hmm. um, which they're they're obviously you know uh, doling out to the different programs that they fund. Wow, that's amazing, though, huh, Megan? You know, I mean, for an organization. And, you know, it's interesting, the perception, um, Rob, when I go out in the road and I talk about the Ice Bucket Challenge and fundraising in general, the perception in many instances is that the ALS Association were the folks behind this. That's who people mentioned to me. And I said, no, it really comes down to one individual. But here's a good question for you. Who really did invent the Ice Bucket Challenge? Um, well, I think we'd have to go back in time to see who the first crazy person was to put ice and water <laughs> into a bucket and put so, it over and their head. Some Eskimo um, sure jumping into the... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the challenge has probably been around in one shape, manner, or form probably for years. I think uh, that's just a reasonable assumption. I mean, the truth of the story, in the United States at least, where it became catalyzed, uh, was a, a uh, you know young man named Anthony um, who lives in uh, New York. A friend of his is a golfer on tour and uh, did the ALSI's Bucket Challenge and um, uh, for Anthony. And uh, it was already going on around the tour. You know, it was such a, something that was going on for charity. I think it was done for cancer on the tour before that, where golfers would, like, fill up their golf bags with ice and water and dump it over their head. Um, and from there, you know, Anthony uh, ended up tagging somebody uh, in his network on Facebook who happened to also be a friend of Pat Quinn's. Mm-hmm. Um, of Yonkers, and uh, that friend saw this, said, hey, Pat, this is really cool. Pat said, hmm, yeah, it is. And uh, Pat got on the phone or on email with uh, Pete Freitas because you know, ALS has robbed Pete from his ability to speak. And uh, they commiserated on it and uh, staged a launch and you know, really the rest is history. So. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. You know, one of the things they do show, The Atlantic has this great graph from last year, and we'll include it in the show notes, that showed the spike in activity at the end of July, which is when um, Pat and Pete uh, did the Ice Bucket Challenge and shared it and challenged people within their networks. And I mean, the spike was like straight up after that in terms of what really ignited them. So, you know, what we kind of kid around with is that, you know, Pete and Pat, Pat were really that Columbus moment for um, the Ice Bucket Challenge in that a lot of other people had done it before, but it was really uh, Pat and Pete that really brought it to the attention of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're 100% right. I think one of the challenges that we have in the nonprofit world, let alone in marketing, you know, for-profit or nonprofit is in this new world of social media. And, uh, you know, we take some, you know, some, uh, some great pride here in that, you know, Pat Quinn and Pete Frades are supporters of our Institute and we help to put them together and, you know, making those connections 
uh, and just keeping people connected. And, you know, those are where these ideas come out of. So, yeah, Pat and Pete were the absolute catalysts. And I think everybody would agree that nothing would have blown up the way it did last year if it wasn't for them and their networks. Mm -hmm. I want to ask a, a question about this being year two. So in year one, this was all the rage because it was new and it was fun and it was summer and it was hot. Is there a concern among your collaboration that year two is going to be different in that it's it's not new and novel this time around. I mean, and is there are there things you're doing to sort of counteract that? Yeah, um, you know, I think we'd be silly if we thought that we could just sit back and see this thing happen again all on its own. I mean, it was a social media phenomenon last year, and by definition, the phenomenon's not. No, right. it's, yeah, it's not repeatable. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so recreating the exact spark that happened last year is probably unlikely to occur. So I think really what the group is trying to do this year is to talk about the importance of uh, staying committed. You know, every 90 minutes, another person in the United States is told that they're going to die of ALS and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to really talk about the urgency, the immediate need represented by each one of those families in our country and, uh, you know, half a million people worldwide as well. So we, we're, we're changing the tone a little bit, but, yeah, this is a real thing. Uh, it's not gone away and been solved. And that, you know, what we started last year was just a drop in the bucket, but right. that we can stay committed and get this done. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, just the, the amount of money and stuff like that. I mean, how can you really predict something like that in terms of raising those well, types of yeah. dollars well, again? I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm not asking for a prediction. I'm just wondering if there are... You know, because now Reasonable you have expectations. <laughs> well, no, I'm just I'm just wondering about, you know, communication strategy and things you're thinking about doing differently. Like, for example, let's see, I saw something on both of the sites. So like this year, you have something on your site, as does the ALS Association about, oh, don't want to waste water Here right. are some alternatives. Like that's something you probably never would have anticipated last year. But now you guys have different ideas that you're offering. I'm just I'm just curious to know if there are other things that you're more strategically doing because it is year two, you know, things that you learned last year, um, ways that you're, you know, things that you saw working that you're trying to get going. I saw a badge on the ALS Association page that was like a Facebook status badge that you can use to update your status after you've done it, like stuff like that. That's what that's all. Yeah, so those things, Megan, are, uh, you know, from a communications perspective, we weren't prepared last year. So this year we had preparation. So getting those badges and cover photos for whether it be Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or, uh, you know, our partner, Viber, which is an international telecommunications company, is doing a really great public chat on the LSI's Bucket Challenge. So we didn't have an opportunity to prepare for those things last year. This year we are. So we hope that we're better prepared. Mm. Um, but the water thing is important. And, you know, wasting water in this way, some people may consider that to be what's happening. But if we go back and look at last year, you don't have to go further than Matt Damon's video. Uh, you know, obviously, he's the co-founder of Water.org, and, uh, you know, he recognized the importance of perception around that. And, you know, he poured toilet water over his head last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of trying to be sensitive uh, about water and to be creative. That's a real challenge. <laughs> I forgot that he had done that. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not it, it's not a new thing. Um, people did some really creative videos last year, but I think the vast majority of people this year will still take a little bit of water and some ice and throw it over their heads, which today with 90 degrees in Boston, 
probably wouldn't be a terrible thing. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because one of the things I talk about with the Ice Bucket Challenge, Rob, and I wonder if you would agree with this too, is one of the things about last year that made it so conducive was the warm, dry summer that we had here in Boston. And, you know, the conditions, you know, beginning now in August are perfect right now uh, for the Ice Bucket Challenge, just like they were last year. And, you know, thinking that if it had been kind of a different environment or if they had tried even Megan to, to, to launch this in Portland, Oregon on the wrong month and it's just cold or rainy or what have you, you know, you just can't people to you can't get people to dump water on themselves like that. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is hot out here. It's not as hot and desperate of a situation as it is out west in the United States. I mean the, the drought and the fires out there are really hard to watch and I hope everybody's being safe out there. Um, but yeah, the the timing is right. And you know, at the end of the day, Joe, I would say that it probably doesn't matter all that much on the heat on the success of this. I think if we're able to resonate with uh, people on online again through social media, that this is fun and important mm-hmm. um, and it's easy. And you know, the most important thing in fundraising is you got to make it easy, in my opinion, for people to, to actually give. Um, then I think we'll be successful. So I I think we're really focused on those things overall. What have you done anything or have you thought at all about outreaching to corporate partners? I know that Joe wrote a little bit about this last year. There were a handful of companies that got involved. Mostly it was, you know, CEOs doing employee video challenges, things like that. I think there was, what was it, Joe Cumberland Farms? Yeah, Cumberland Farms, which is a large convenience store chain here in the New England area, actually donated 20 cents from every bag of ice. Ice sold, yeah. Yeah, so it was, they raised over 50 grand though, which was impressive. Do you think, Rob? Yeah, I mean, Cumbies is a great store, and Tedeschi and all the other ones around here did a great job last year. And, you know, one of the realities of this disease is no corporation, unfortunately, has to go further than their own employees to find an affinity for finding an end to ALS with how many people are diagnosed each year. So there's probably somebody in every company out there that has a direct connection uh, to it, and they play a huge role. So, you know, we're really working strategically to make sure that companies have an idea on how to do it and mm-hmm. how to do it organized and to ensure that their dollars get someplace that, that meets their overall corporate uh, philanthropic goals. Right. I think one of the issues last year for companies is they kind of ran into this. Right. Um, and then we're sometimes kind of struggling on, well, can I fund this? Because it's outside of the normal world. Uh, yep. And you know, trying to get ahead of that this year has been one of our focuses as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Megan and Rob, when you think about it's great when uh, Cumberland Farms and other retailers do those um, those challenges with the ice and stuff and donate a certain percentage. But as we saw last year, the real money in something like this is uh, companies engaging their employees in this and offering a match or what have you. I mean, that's the thing I think that raises millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, Joe, I uh, could not agree more, man. I think one of the greatest un- unused charitable assets out there is matching gifts at companies. There are yep. so many people that just don't don't submit those receipts and ask for the match, and companies just don't pay it out when they're happy to do it. So yep. those matches really, really add up for sure. But overall, the average donation to our organization last year was something like $22 to raise that $4 million bucks. So at the end of the day, it really is – individuals, you know, accepting the challenge. And as Megan did, you know, don't just get doused, but also make that donation. But you didn't do it yet, so you're still on the hook. (laughs) (laughs) Very true, very true. I donated, but I I guess I got to – the kids will really enjoy this, Megan. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, could you I think you should pull? sit there with with Charlie and well, they should with, jump with, with Charlie. Yeah. I don't think Charlie by that. It, she's talking about my little Yorkie rub. I don't think he would be happy about that. I'll tell you, <laughs> he may not talk to the whole family for like a month after something like that. You know, so what well, you could always fill the bucket with uh, dog treats or something. Oh, like there that. you go. Aww. That sounds good. Well, you know, it's it's kind, it's kind of interesting. You know what I thought was hilarious last year is as a sidebar, just all the different types of uh, challenges people were doing with other items. Um, You know, I even saw someone in the Middle East doing the rubble challenge, and it was where places had been destroyed or something like that, and they were pouring rubble over their heads. And I was like, this is the strangest bucket challenge that I've ever seen. Uh, But people had all sorts of things that they were pouring over themselves, you know, in an effort to do this. You know, Rob, one of the things I'd love to ask you, though, is, you know, we obviously have lots of nonprofit listeners on the line, and, you know, everyone would love to have have their ice their own ice bucket challenge and i <laughs> and i realize there's not a formula for something like this but what is it i mean you know are there things that and i've tried to get to the bottom of this too are there things that nonprofits can focus on that make them uh, a better prospect for this type of social viral fundraising than other nonprofits uh you want my honest answer yeah. on that one <laughs> um well, without going off on a tangent, I think a lot of nonprofit professionals know that there's a developmental process. You know, you can do research on leads, you can make asks and stewardship, and those things are metrics that can be measured to close a gift, yeah. But in today's social media world, it, it, it requires a different skill set. Mm-hmm. And I would say that nonprofits really, if they want to see an ALSS book a challenge happen, that means accepting that you want to be relevant in social media. Right. So if you're not on social media, if you're not playing in social yeah. media, if you don't yep. have a page and a profile yeah. and everything else. If you don't have an audience. There, if you don't have don't an audience. Ex- right. Yeah. 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 You, you, I was taught in college, one of my professors, Paul Grossweiler, wrote a book, The Medium is the Message. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to change our medium and, and change our messages as yeah. nonprofit marketers these days. Yeah. And so I don't think that people can just sit back and hope that somebody does something else. I think you got to engage with your community where you want to engage with them. And yeah. if you're not doing that, yeah. then you should expect the same thing. And I think, that, you know, that is something that's so criti- critical is to build that audience. You know, and it's so interesting, Robin, I think you would agree with me in this point. The fact that a viral challenge like this took off for something like ALS really surprised me last year. In the sense, like, yeah. if I thought it was, you know, everyone always thinks, like, if it was for breast cancer or cancer in general, that people would say, wow, that makes a lot of sense. But I started my career at the Muscular Dystrophy Association, and I know that ALS is a terrible disease. I also know how rare it is, too. And, you know, it was kind of interesting that it took off for that particular disease. Yeah. Yeah, and it took off, man, because it's not our audience. You know, like, yeah. you you just said people got to reach out to their audience, not yeah. our audience. This is Pete and Pat's network. Right. And we got right. out of the way. You yeah, know, right. I think it's mm-hmm. understanding that everybody has their own networks out there and uh, giving them the tools to reach out in the medium in the appropriate way is going to make you successful. So yeah. Yeah. Well I think said. a big part of it is, is, is focusing on trying to teach people who want to do good, how to get the message out to their network yes. and then letting them be creative and get out of the way. You know, it may not yeah. be the perfect message. Right. They may not hit all your talking points, but yeah. you just got to get out of the way. Yeah, no, that I think that is so critical too, is like, it's so much about, and we saw this in, in you know, Rob and I, uh, you and me, Rob, we saw this in uh, with the Boston Strong, 
in 2013 yeah is like you know you had these kids and they raised uh you know a million dollars you know selling t-shirts and stuff like that and it was just you know they they did it with facebook and being connected with people and building a network and you know where's the nonprofit? there wasn't a nonprofit. uh they were doing yeah. it on behalf of a nonprofit, uh but it wasn't a nonprofit kind of driving it and i think that is so critical that's really the lesson we need to take away from this yeah, that we don't actually have all the smartest people working in our offices. That's um, right. Listen, listen, listen to your customers is kind of the you know topic number one. Yeah. So you know, listen to your donors, your 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 key influencers. Stop talking and listen is the best advice I give people. Yep. So that's it's so it's so interesting, and we so appreciate you coming on, Rob, to talk a little bit about this year's Ice Bucket Challenge. If people want to find out more about you online or your organization, how might they do that? Yes, yeah, so you can find us on Twitter. That's just at ALSTDI, or you can find us on uh, LinkedIn. We've got a great page there, the ALS Therapy Development Institute. Just search for us on LinkedIn. Um, or, of course, if you're in Cambridge, come over to the lab um, or find us anytime online at ALS.net. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, you, um, I, I want to commend you too, Rob. I think you folks are doing a great job on social media this month so far, uh, talking about the Ice Bucket Challenge, sharing links with people, and really getting the word out there. So congratulations on that. Um, if people are interested in connecting with me, they can obviously find me at Selfish Giving. Uh, they can also find me Minute to Minute on Twitter, at Joe Waters. And, of course, check out my Pinterest boards, pinterest.com, front slash Joe Waters, and bunch of cause marketing pins there that you can can learn and enjoy from. Uh, what about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. You can find today's show notes at CauseUpdate.com, as well as Joe's blog, SelfishGiving.com. And to find Cause Talk Radio, you can do that on iTunes. And we do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review so we know what you're thinking. And on behalf of Rob and Joe and myself, I'd like to thank you for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio, and we'll talk to you next time. 